Hey, it's Aldwin. And I'm Jason. This is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. We put our shit together so that we can entertain you. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Come back to life, Dick Edward. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? I think I feel like it's another ass comment, but Jason Jason just called you on your bluff and you, you came back and you called us an albatross? I don't know what that is. Do you know what this is? It's called entertainment in all caps. Time. Ready? Play. Welcome to your Olympic edition of the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Aldwin. Before we get into anything, we have to pester you to become a Patreon member. <laughs> um, we'll wait. Just press pause and go do that. Patreon.com slash Ready Play Turnus. Not Turnus, Tennis. <laughs> and uh, you can become one of our patrons. That would be very mm-hmm. nice of you. Uh, so press pause and do that, and we'll wait 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. The other thing that we need you to do, um, and we haven't asked you to do this in a while, unless you get to the end of every episode, go to your podcast library and click on our podcast, which you've probably already done because you're listening to this episode. <laughs> Scroll to the bottom and give us MFers a five-star review. Yes, exactly, Jay. Thank you for the reminder. <laughs> yeah, we and and you know, you can also write a review. We've been getting a lot of <laughs> nice messages on our Instagram and that feels so nice, but it would feel nicer if it came with uh the Apple review system so that we can be bumped up in all of those rankings. However, that, you know, algorithm works. Exactly. And uh, just one more reminder, if you follow us on Instagram or if you don't follow us on Instagram, you can reach us at Ready Play Tennis Podcast. If you link, if you click the link in our bio, it will show you a link to the Patreon page as well. So you can uh, become a patron through that link on our Instagram. So easy. Mm-hmm. We're just trying to make it easy for everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you help us make the show better. One of the things that's not very easy is watching the Olympic coverage. <laughs> okay. You know what? I'm so glad that you started off today's episode with that because it is a motherfucker <laughs> trying to find any kind of coverage of Olympic tennis. <laughs> <laughs> well, I shared with you that link to CBC. So for anybody around the world, CBC is stands for the Canadian Broadcasting Com- Corporation, not company. Sorry, it's not a company. <laughs> uh, it is our government-funded broadcaster. And uh, so we pay for this stuff. Uh, they typically do a very good job with the Olympics. And what I like is at least they're showing some tennis through the streaming service on their website but you only get center court matches yes so unfortunately all of those other uh marquee matches or matchups that happen outside of center court babe i don't know how anybody's watching it you have to go into the depths of the internet to figure (laughs) out who has recorded it on their country's streaming or network 
preferences and you have to watch the highlight. That's pretty much how I've been keeping up with the other matches outside of center court. But I mean, it's it's tough out there for Olympic tennis right now. It's tough out there for a pimp, a girl <laughs> who wants to watch some tennis. The other challenge, obviously, being that it's in Tokyo, is the time difference. So I'm able to, on the center court, watch one of the matches or like half of the match, and then I got to go to bed. <laughs> you know what? It's funny because another thing that I was going to ask you on today's show is like, what is our level of commitment? I mean, all of you listeners and IG followers, social platform followers know that I posted on Instagram. How many of y'all are actually watching and following Olympic tennis, right? Because there's this debate out there about whether Olympic tennis has as much gravitas and as much importance as the slams. And I, I, I mean, the poll came in, two out of every three of you are still following the tennis. So it's an important event for y'all. Yeah, I think it's interesting. It is, you know the one event every four years where the doubles and the mixed doubles are as important or equal to the singles. <laughs> uh, why? Okay. Why are you on my wavelength right now? Because <laughs> never in our history as ready play tennis podcast, did we pull up the mixed or doubles draws? <laughs> but I, I mean, I think that's part of the appeal of Olympic tennis is that you get matchups and pairings that would never otherwise have happened and it's all in the pursuit of olympic glory mm -hmm. yeah it is sort of you know the most important event you know you're getting a lot of the singles players playing uh the doubles as well as well you know zverev's mm -hmm. playing doubles with um what's his name Struf. Struf. Se sexy bodied Struf. <laughs> um how have you liked the tennis so far? I, like I said, I've only seen the center court matches uh, for mm -hmm. the most part. I mm -hmm. uh, haven't seen many of the outer court matches, but uh, obviously the theme is very similar to other events in that one division gets decimated and the others are sort of, <laughs> the other is sort of true to form if we're talking about the sing singles. I mean, not surprisingly, you know, obviously Jay's making the parallel here. ATP, all four seeds are still in the draw. Women's, I mean, at the time of the posting of our IG story about whether people are following tennis, it's as if the WTA gods said to us, we're going to give you the drama. And then obviously all of the upsets happened. Now, I, I'm sorry, I do have to kind of parlay into something else because I want to, um, I want to ask your be, I, I want to use your personal experience as a frame of reference. One of the top headlines out of the Olympics is the motherfucking heat. <laughs> and all of you all, maybe, no. Some of you may know that Jay and his uh, husband, Wade, spent a couple of years in Korea, correct? This is years ago. Yes. So can you just talk a little bit to the heat situation? <laughs> <laughs> In July, yeah. what is it like in that area of the world? Well, yeah, we so we lived in the far south of Korea, so not sort of Seoul where the Olympics took place in 88, but five hours south of there okay. uh, on the water. In July, 
in in that part of the world it's very hot and very humid and then particularly in korea when we live there in july it's rainy so Mm. uh basically a good chunk of the whole month it's torrential downpours a lot of the time and that is uh also typhoon season which as we know has interrupted uh several events including rowing a couple days ago so yeah it is it is very hot and it is very humid it's no joke it is no joke so you know i mean in the first few days of the olympic coverage you know we've heard tennis players talk about like you know djokovic in particular pushing the matches to the evening time so that there's a little bit more relief for the players um medvedev in his typical medvedev fashion is like i'm not even gonna try to do his accent (laughs) i mean go ahead do you want to give it a try no (laughs) he's basically like um you know we we normally get one minute and 30 seconds in the Asian swing for changeover. Why are you not giving this to us in Tokyo? That was my Medvedev, everyone. <laughs> I think they must have changed that because I did see the changeovers were 90 seconds during one of the matches. Okay. I mean, that's great because I know that that was definitely a contentious issue in the first few days. He was complaining about not having more time in the changeover, especially in this kind of, um, in this heat wave of the situation. Yeah. And they all have the ice towels. I saw them like wrapped up in them during those changeovers. Mm. Very interesting times on the tennis courts it seems like uh for some of the matches and some of the results i see i saw they were very smooth sailing for some of the players and then when it came to you know some of the matches three set barn busters Uh, (laughs) are you are you talking about a lot of the women's matches (laughs) (laughs) yeah they were pretty comprehensive wins or you know the sabalenka lost was a three set thriller yeah i mean overall i'd say the quality of tennis has been just like my brain all over the place (laughs) (laughs) um it's listen a lot of these players have come off of wimbledon right where the environment and the climate is a completely different um situation they normally wouldn't ha- have headed to Asia at this point of the year in a regular ATP or WTA season. So for them to kind of come into these conditions without a lot of training beforehand, it only makes sense that the results and the score lines are truly all over the place. Yeah. The the first match, obviously, and perhaps the most surprising for many initially before other surprises took place where was ash barty losing in straight sets okay you know what thank you for saying that i you're i know that you just said that it's surprising for a lot of people but i have a feeling that it wasn't so surprising for you no i wasn't uh because (laughs) you know cerebus tormo hitting those loopy mother effing balls and then those low slices even somebody as crafty and and who can pick up the ball like Ash, mm. she was flummoxed. Okay, this stat is going to astound you. Do you know how many unforced errors she hit in that match? 
I actually do not. But it, having watched the match, she must have hit close to 30. It, I think it was 55. Whoa. 55 is what I heard. So 55 unforced errors from Ash is super uncharacteristic. But I mean, to Cerebes Tormo's credit, she's the kind of player that will force you to go for a little bit more. You know, you have said and are on record for saying that Cerebus... Did I say Cerebus Torment or Cerebus... (laughs) I mean, that's a good moniker. Cerebus Torment? You have gone on record on our show saying that Cerebus Torment is such a difficult player because she is... (laughs) You said it again. (laughs) Oh, did I? (laughs) She is crafty. (laughs) She is crafty and she is... She gets every ball and she does make a player kind of go for too much and so it doesn't surprise me that... Barty plus the Heat would want to, you know, go for a little bit more in that first round match. Yeah. And, you know, coming off the win at Wimbledon and I guess having taken a break and and then coming into Tokyo and perhaps feeling herself pretty close to home, Mm. uh, having not been able to go back there, it probably was um, a little bit of stress and a little bit too much um, after winning, carrying, you know, that trophy that mattered so much to her. So, uh, but then, you know, Cerebes Tormo lost in straight sets pretty easily to Pav in the, th- in the third round. Yeah. I mean, am I necessarily surprised by that? No. Um, I think it was more of a surprise that Pav did so well at the French Open, making it all the way to the finals because her game is truly about, power hitting from the baseline. So she is, to me, very much like in the same lane as Naomi Osaka. So for her to go into that next match and lose to Pav um, fairly kind of um, one-sided doesn't surprise me because it just shows you that Pav is feeling herself on the court. She's hitting her forehand and backhand, her hard court game, and she just like, she just like, you know, she killed her. She did. Uh, if, if I'm looking at the score lines correctly for all of Pav's matches, she's only lost seven games in three matches. Oh, <laughs> maybe she's going to pull a Dementiva. You know, like Dementiva won zero slams. <laughs> um, another fellow Russian, but she won Olympic glory and gold, and that was her kind of career-defining moment. And, you know, again, Pav has such uh, sentimental... Value because she is a favorite and she's been on the tour and a, you know this term that you hate so much the journey woman on the women's tour maybe this is going to be her opportunity to kind of make her mark in women's tennis yeah and she's had a, a, an incredible year so I'm happy to see her make a go of it I have to say you know we've we've kind of been sort of bouncing around the women if we look at generally what has transpired for me i think the most shocking thing is the the only top of the top eight seeds that is left because this person is typically the one who i expect to go out in the second round or the third round or the first round like she did in wimbledon which is mrs monfils Oh, I was like, who who are you talking about? <laughs> Svitolina. Svitolina has had some really like, like teeth, teeth clenching situations. You know, she survived Zachary, who I thought looked really good in her first match. 
And um, I mean, yeah, she she could, again, she could be like a dark horse in this situation and just, you know, vie for a medal. All you need to do is make the semifinals and you're there. Yeah. Yeah. So of the top eight seeds, she's the only one left at number four. So it has truly been on the lady side, a bloodbath. A bloodbath. Are we going to, <laughs> we are we going to, we are obviously going to, the biggest shock and surprise, and I, I listen, let me just preface this by saying that everyone is calling this the biggest shock and surprise. Right. Of the entire Olympic Games. Why? Um, <laughs> why, <laughs> why, I ask, why? We're obviously talking about Naomi, mm-hmm. Naomi Osaka, you know, um, cauldron lighter, if we're going to give her a title. <laughs> Torchbearer. Um, Torchbearer, you know, an extreme honor to be the person that's responsible to start off the um, the Olympic Games. And, you know, again, when you and I were chatting, you had said that Naomi looked really good in her first few matches. And she obviously did look really good in her few, first few matches. But she loses to Marketa Vondrusova, lefty, former French Open champion. Everyone is calling this the shock of the entire tournament. Is this, is this a shock? Is that a question to me or to the Ready Play Tennis universe? <laughs> I mean, uh, it, I, it's a question to you. It's a question to everyone. Do you want to answer first or do you want to give, do you want me to give kind of my two cents about the situation? Give your two cents. Listen, Here's the story that I was going to share with everyone. When I played at the Montreal Coupe de la Reine tournament in 2015, I was the number one seed. Okay. I didn't have a lot of practice, but because of the seed, it carried a certain kind of distinguishment, a a certain kind of weight. And so with that, there's obviously kind of a level of intimidation. You know, the first two rounds that I played in that tournament, I felt like the opponents that I played saw the seed and then therefore kind of didn't play up to their potential. They had lost two games before you got on the court. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I remember the first guy I double bageled. The second guy, it was like 6-1, 6-love. I feel like Naomi kind of had that weight and, you know, she was not to take anything away from her actual gameplay because she did play marvelously. But here's the funny thing about not playing fucking matches. When you don't play matches, you don't have match toughness. And you can be good for a first round and a second round match, but you're not really necessarily able to, to sustain that for entire for an entire tournament. So I was just waiting, to be honest with you, for the ball to drop for her for us to see her rustiness and girl did we ever see her rustiness against von Drusova? did you see her spraying all those balls all over the place <laughs> i watched some of the highlights and i did see some of the spraying ironically it was the match i didn't tune into oh. uh i tuned into the other two uh where she seemed a bit more solid and maybe to your point the other two players who she played Golovich and uh the woman from china uh, Zha- Zhe- um, Zheng, yes yeah uh were over were overmatched um in those two in those two matches but uh yeah it was it was clear that something was off in that third round match yeah she i mean von Drusova obviously is no pushover um I 
listen, I think that it's completely understandable that a person that has not played a professional match since withdrawing from the French Open is not going to do well in their first tournament back. That's just common sense. Mm-hmm. It's not to take away from her um, her ability, her obvious talent, but you know, it, it, it's just a truism for any tennis player at whatever level you are. You know, you want to do well, you've got to put in the time and the work. And although she's been practicing with, you know, her hitting partners and all of that stuff, nothing can kind of replicate a real match situation. And I mean, as much as it would have been nice to see Naomi really pull through on home soil and, you know, win a medal for her country, it's just a lot of pressure to ask of someone that hasn't played a match for a few months, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, it was a lofty um, goal to try and achieve after not having played, as you said, for a couple of months. Uh, You know, maybe it would have been wise to play one of these smaller events uh, leading into it. Um, to just get some match play and like you mm-hmm. said um, get some match toughness and see some different looks and different players but um, yeah she obviously made a different decision and uh, you know bearing the torch was obviously probably an additional layer of pressure um, yeah. you know representing your country and, and doing that all eyes suddenly are on you so uh, you know, we'll see what happens for her in the hardcore season. I think it was it was a lot to expect of her um, to, you know, make a deep run or make the final. Um, so and I think she acknowledged that uh, as well, uh, I think, in part of her post-match um, post-match quote or whatever. Yeah. She said. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that I just wanted to add to the conversation is that, you know, obviously she has a lot of scrutiny on her for making the decision to um, block out the media at the French Open and taking a break for mental health, which is understandable. And again, you know, you and I have talked about just kind of the, you know, what comes with that decision and then obviously the curiosities of her appearing in all of these covers and like Vogue and whatnot, you know, there was an interesting exchange that she had with Megyn Kelly, you know, a famous American journalist. And she would basically blast her and said, like, well, if you did your research, you would have known that all of these interviews and whatnot happened prior, mm-hmm. which is which is understandable. But my, m- now, you know, in doing a little uh, the research that I did for this episode, girl, if you go on Twitter now, it's just getting straight up nasty People are just being so mean to her and, you know, just really putting her under the gun for her decision to take that break. And they're really kind of coming down on her for not performing in her own country. And now it's just become really ugly. So, you know, y'all need to lay off and, you know, give her her space. Um, And it's a decision that she made. It's over and done with. And, you know, it's a learning experience like you know extend the same grace that you would give someone especially someone like her who's in the public eye um because like a lot of you trolls out there are just really coming coming for her and like just you need to kind of calm down yeah tbh now the pressure is off her hopefully yes now that she she, maybe there's a bit of weight that has come off now that she's lost and (laughs) um she can take herself to the hardcore season and start 
you know, beating, beating some people down. I mean, that's where she's her happiest, right? So, like, hopefully she can, you know, kind of regain that form and take it to the States uh, in the pre-U.S. Open tournaments and then do something in New York City in maybe, a couple months. Maybe you'll get to see her in Montreal. Oh, my God. I mean, I am. if she was in Montreal, I would die. I would literally <laughs> die. <laughs> I think she'll be there. I think she'll be there. Who yeah. who else you want to chat about on the ladies side? Like we obviously lost, uh, in addition to Barty and Osaka, we lost ourselves a Sabalenka. Yeah, I'm. Do I have very much to say about Arena? No, I mean all of the <laughs> <laughs> all of the Twitterverse and the social media universe are basically saying you know she choked again, which is, <laughs> I mean, it, facts are facts, but it's also a little bit mean. Um, this was kind of going to be her tournament for her to do really well because it's obviously hard court. It's a surface that she loves so much, but you know, she, you know, didn't make it through. I want to give major props to Camila Georgie. Go for it. Yeah. I mean, I thought she was just, you know, waiting on the next call from Victoria's secret and, <laughs> <laughs> and like getting ready for like, shooting a new hip-hop video or something listen honestly camilla georgie is crazy fierce um she has upset like some really top players to get to right now the women are in the quarterfinals and you know russell's gonna love that i'm talking about georgie because this is her girl since forever you know this is a girl that hits so hard on both sides has insane and amazing movement and she really has never lived up to her fullest potential but here she finds herself in an olympic quarterfinal and that is i just think astounding so yeah yeah she beat jen brady in the first yes. round who was one you know one we always like to watch uh then she beat vesnina and then she beat pliskova Plishkova, who, you know, we've, again, ragged on the entire season <laughs> coming off a Wimbledon final. But, um, yeah, Georgie, I'm so happy for her. Like, it would be such a shame if she kind of lost in the quarterfinals because she's had such an incredible tournament. You really need to get to that semifinal stage to vie for a medal. And any medal of any color for her in this situation will just be such a nice career moment, I think, for her. Mm -hmm. Where has she been, like... I has she just not been playing? I just I can't recall the last time I saw a match <laughs> of hers to be honest with you and I do from what I recall of her play she she's like a very slight woman but she hits the ball pretty hard. She has incredible um racket acceleration. The question is where has she been? Yeah. A girl, girl she's been playing but she's been losing. Okay. <laughs> so she just hasn't done very much in many of the draws and many of the tournaments that she's been in this year. Um, she's had some wins over big names in her entire career, but just hasn't been able to put it together enough to really go deep in any significant tournaments. Mm -hmm. Speaking of someone who hasn't gone deep recently, it's Iga. I. She uh, spent. After her loss, I think she spent an additional, from what I read, like 10 minutes on the court um, <laughs> oh God. sobbing in her towel. Uh, I mean, I guess, you know, listen, the Olympic dream, this, this is why the Olympics is so um, 
it's so monumental because it it's a cycle that happens every four years. It's about representing your country. It's a dream as any kind of premier athlete to represent your country at the Olympic Games. And for her to go out, especially with the name and the, um, you know, and the experience and the accomplishments behind her, it really is a shame that she didn't get a chance to go deeper into the draw. I mean, you know, you get one shot. It's one time every four years. And for her to go out, it's, yeah, it really is unfortunate. Listen, hard is not really her best surface. If it was, uh, you know, the Paris Olympics in four years and they would play at Roland Garros, maybe mm-hmm. she would have had a better chance. But um, so sorry, Iga. <laughs> <laughs> no cry, Iga, no cry. Um, well, the good thing is she's only 20 years old. And uh, I just wondered if, you know, for someone like her, um, in a similar way to some other players, that is is sort of the pressure and the expectation starting to get to her. Like she, her first title was the French Open. So, and now mm-hmm. there's a lot of expectations for her to win and go deep. And you know, she lost in the fourth round at the at Wimbledon. So, yeah. Okay, question for you: We always want to have a Mugu moment. Mugu, it seems like, has an opportunity here, right? Because she's in the final eight. Mm-hmm. Um, the quarters are as follows. Pavlyuchenkova versus Bencic. Bencic is having a great tournament as well. Mugu versus, um, I think, the Kazakh. Rabakina. And in the bottom half, Georgie versus Fidelina, which is an excellent opportunity for Georgie TBH. And Vondrasova versus your girl. You love a Bedosa moment. Mm-hmm. I thought you loved a Bedosa moment more than I did. Uh, I mean, she gives me Maria, Maria Sharapova. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do. I, I love Bedosa. Um, I am really excited for Mugu, though. Yeah. You know? I think after- of, of all of the players, she's probably the... Well... She's underperformed recently, but um, mm. the one with the most sort of big match play of all of these players. Yes. I mean, it was a disappointing Australian Open for Mugu. We talked about how her match against Naomi Osaka at the Australian Open this year felt like the final. And she just kept on cu- um, coming up against players that were playing the best at that tournament and ended up winning the tournament. And so she really's done not much since the beginning of the season. So I think this is an opening for her. Mm-hmm. You know, I I was a bit heartbroken when she lost in her doubles with uh, CSN, Carlos Suarez Navarro, um, because I wanted her to win more than one medal. But, you know, for singles, I think this is her chance. I agree. So who you, you, you pick her going to the final? I'd say it's going to be... I'd say it's a Pav... Mugu Semi and uh, Georgie Bedosa Semi and I'm going to say that it's Mugu versus Bedosa for the gold Ooh. <laughs> I would agree with you I do think both of those semis are pretty spot on mm-hmm. and uh, yeah I, w- I would pick Mugu Bedosa as well yeah. with, the, with, with a a, a, a a chance for Pav to, to take out Mugu. 
Agreed. Agreed. If there's a third, if there's a third person, I give it to Pavlyuchenko. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's the women. God, we spent mm. a lot of time talking about these <laughs> ladies. Uh, what about the men? The men are <sighs> sort of true to form for the most part. Um, you know, Djokovic didn't go out crying in the first round. <laughs> um, you know, didn't lose to my boy Delpo because he's not there. Uh huh. (laughs) Um, Complained about the heat a bit, uh, but seems to be cruising nicely, and he'll play again today against Davidovich Fokina. Yeah, I thought that Struff was going to give him a bit of a problem. You know, in the lead up to the Olympics, a lot of you Djokovic fans. Okay, I'm not even going to say a lot of you Djokovic fans. I'm going to say Stefan. (laughs) (laughs) Stefan said that, and rightfully so, the best of three format is a weakness for Djoko. Mm -hmm. Only in that it gives other players a chance to just take him out in two. Right? Best of five, Djoko, there's really no one that can take him out because he gets better as the match goes on. Against Struff, I thought that Struff could give him some problems and I mean, it was a fairly comprehensive win. If you just take a look at the dynamic of that first set, that first set against Truff was on serve the entire GD set, and the only t- the the moment that Struff had to to serve to hold for five all, he got broken at love forty, and he just played a disgusting game (laughs) and Djokovic capitalized and that is Djokovic's strength he just knows when to turn it up and he knows like it's almost like when you play someone that has a little bit of an edge on you you always have to kind of play up and make sure that you hold your serve you return well and Struff did all of that up until his last service game so I mean against Davidovic Fakina I think it's going to be pretty much the same thing what do you think? I would agree with you. I mean, Djokovic is the guy to beat for sure um, mm. in in this entire tournament. You would think he would get tired <laughs> generally, <laughs> um, but he's he's on a mission. You know, he's hanging out with other athletes and taking photos. He's doing the splits with some gymnastic <laughs> folks, and then he's going out on the court complaining about the heat, but winning in straight sets. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's enjoying himself. He's enjoying the Olympic experience on those cardboard beds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A quick side note before we continue with the men's draw. Have you seen the stories of the living quarters of these tennis players? I've seen a few of them. They're, uh, they're quite small rooms, and some sometimes they're shared. I mean... Could they not have given them, like, a flat screen TV mounted on the wall? Is that too much to ask? Because, I mean, we watched Layla's story. Layla, we love you. We're so sorry that you lost in the second round, but we still love and support you, Avi. Honey, like, these rooms are, like, they're they're just so bare bones. I just think of the Olympic experience as being so kind of next level that I, I, I mean, I watched, I think it was... Mladenovic, um, Mladenovic's story, and it's like six of them in one room, and they're like, 
you know, playing the guitar. And I'm like, this looks like one of my, you know, summer camps that I went to when I was in grade nine. (laughs) It's shady. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not the accommodations that they're used to on the tour. That's for sure. No. Although probably no rats. (laughs) Thank God Putin Save is I don't even know if Putin Save is in this. No, <laughs> Putin Seva was, but she retired. She was one of the casualties of the heat. Oh dear. Yeah. Oh okay. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh this was a question that I posed to our listeners. Okay. The other Japanese force at the Olympics. Now everyone's talking about Naomi. No one was talking about Kay. Mm-hmm. He really hasn't done much in the past couple of years because of wrist issues. He faced Rublev in the first round, beat the guy. Hiron, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah. The American guy. Yeah. Beats him as well. Do you think, Jason Patterson, that Kay can replicate his glory of 2016 and come off with come away with a medal at his home Olympics in Tokyo? No. (laughs) (laughs) I do not. Because if he wins against Ivashka, which is uh, probably a winnable match for him, he has to go up against Joko. And that's a (laughs) no-go. You don't, listen, you don't have enough belief in K as you do your number one for life and all-time Delpo and taking out the big Joko goat? Come on, girl. Like, you don't think (laughs) Kay's got the goods? Not from what I've seen recently. Like, he's lost his Zverev like 18 times in the last three months or something. Uh, (laughs) But who knows? I mean, he took out Rublev. Rublev's, uh, I would say, you know, he's he's gone a bit cool the last Mm. few months. Uh, but that's still a good win. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll have to see. I I mean, Joko's still the the guy to beat. But who knows? You know, with all those fans in the stands, getting <laughs> <laughs> getting behind him. <laughs> you, you know, maybe fe- the feeling of being at home and 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 wanting to sort of get on the podium again, um, a la twenty sixteen, uh, might bring him that motivation. Yeah, I mean. Djokovic, the fact that Djokovic is in his way to earn any possibility of a medal is like, if you're a smart betting person, you're not betting against Djoko. No. In, in, in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> and then if he got past, past Djoko, he might have to face Zverev, who's the likely semifinalist based on who his matchups would be in the next few rounds. And again, he's lost to him literally in three tournaments of the last, I think, four or five that that he's played. Like, he's run into Zverev each event, so mm. he's kind of got his number. Alrighty. Well, I mean, the poll on our IG believes that two out of every three people say that he could possibly win a medal. Um, maybe these people have not seen the draw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, listen, I think it would be great for Japan to have a medalist in K, but I mean, to take down Joko in his pursuit of the Golden Slam is a huge undertaking, and it will take kind of some next level shit to to conquer the GOAT. Yeah. So, the 
for everybody who is not paying attention to the draw, they're only in the third round, but the next round's the quarterfinals. So uh, we kind of talked about Djokovic and Kay, and they would meet. Mm. They would meet in the quarterfinals, mm-hmm. uh, and then Zverev is sort of in that uh, middle section of the top half, and he has Basilashvili next. Uh, mm. Shardy's making a nice little run. Uh, he's made the third round. Uh, yes. He took out Karat's calves. I know. So disappointing. What is up with that guy? <laughs> <laughs> he's, you know, he's getting into a little, uh, you know, dry spell as well, like Rublev. Maybe it's a Russian mm. thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Brody, who you've shared a couple of stories about and who's seen them. WTF Brody Liam Brody out of the UK Naomi Brody's brother who she is so proud of her brother and rightfully so takes out Hubie Herkash in the second round like that is wild I mean I don't I actually don't know what his ranking is but this is an insane result for him and he should be just be so proud of his um you know his result here. This was the this was also the year that he first qualified for the French Open main draw. So in a similar fashion to Sebastian Corda, he's having a really breakthrough year. So I'm really curious to see what he's going to do. You know from here on in. Mm-hmm. And that is probably a winnable match against Jeremy Shardy to get to a quarterfinal. Yeah. Okay. A question for you. This is a juicy ass question. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Okay. We have to talk about Andy Murray. Yes. Andy Murray's withdrawal from singles, deciding to focus exclusively on the doubles, which if he were to win a medal in the doubles would make him the most decorated tennis player, I believe. No, the most decorated male tennis player, right? Because Venus and Serena has something like 5 billion medals. <laughs> Four. Four million. <laughs> right. Just like so many medals. Um but the real question here is, is that due to Andy's withdrawal, uh, what was his name? Purcell. The Australian Purcell takes his spot, which made Felix Felix Auger Aliassime, Canadian pride, have a better chance at moving through the draw, right? So, are you so disappointed? that Felix didn't capitalize on that situation. To be honest with you, I don't know who Purcell is. No tea, no shade. Girl, you know, you did your thing. I thought this was Felix's perfect opportunity to do something at a tournament without having to face someone as big as Murray, and I was disappointed. What did you, what did you think? Uh, well, yeah, I think it's an interesting scenario to be in, to know who your opponent's going to be, and then... Uh, play a player that maybe you haven't played before. I do not know if he had played him before or not. Uh, mm. He played pretty lights out for a guy who um, was a last minute entry into the Olympics. Um, and Felix was um, obviously caught off guard. I think he probably would have had a better chance against Andy. I mean, he beat mm. Andy pretty handily at the US Open last year. Uh huh. So he probably. You know, it's a bit of a mind F to know who you're going against and know how you strategized in that match and that you had beat him in a best three of five in straight sets and um, handled him pretty easily on hard court to go to somebody that maybe you've never seen before and you hadn't scouted. 
I mean, that's well done. That's very thoughtful. I didn't think of it that way. <laughs> I mean, I, I just I just assumed that you know someone that carried you know the title of previous Olympic gold medalist would be a daunting task for anyone. But I guess you know understanding that he had been on court with him before, knowing Andy's kind of physical and health limitations over the past few years would make him more confident into that match. And you're right. I mean, Purcell is a guy that had nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, when you are given that chance, why not just play lights out? Yeah, he played lights out for one match. (laughs) That is even more disappointing because (laughs) he he goes out in the second round and Felix is just like, oh, fuck. Oh, F. (laughs) He lost to our boy Kopfer. Yes. Oh my God. Another guy that you should y'all, y'all should be watching out for. Mm-hmm. So in the bottom half, we have Schwartzman, who we sort of neglect to talk about often. <laughs> uh, Hatchinov, the other Russian who's still in the draw, along with Medvedev, and uh-huh. there's still an open spot. Uh, Umber's match, I guess, didn't get completed, and um, whoever wins that match will go up against Sitsi. <sighs> Yeah, good for Karen. That's mm-hmm. that was my that was kind of my takeaway from you know you rattling off the matchups uh, tonight. Good for Karen. Kind of um, he made the Wimbledon semifinal, is having a great season. So good for her for continuing to pull in those results. <laughs> he made the quarterfinal because Chapo made the semi. Beat, oh, beat that's him. right. Yeah, that's, that's right. It's the quarterfinal. I can't remember all these matches. <laughs> the other section has uh, Karina Busta, Kopfer, sure. and Fonini Medvedev. So who who's who's who do you think's gonna? We we sort of, I guess have I have picked I guess, Joko and Zverev in the semis. Hmm. I like the Fonini Medvedev match because it's going to just be. Um, a best of three match of, of who can complain the most. <laughs> it's just going to be complaining all over the place. <laughs> so I want to watch that match 1 million percent. Yeah, I want to watch that match. And admittedly, I'm not sure what other matches I would watch. <laughs> I, if of any of them, I would probably choose the, the Karenia Busta Cup for a match to watch. I like that much. And, you know, Sitsi and Umber would be interesting if Umber is able to make it um, to that, to the third round. TBH, I want all the top four seeds on the men's side to make the semis. I think that that would be, those are the best players there. Yeah. You know, and in the absence of Nadal and Federer, um, okay, maybe team to a lesser degree, but especially in the absence of Nadal and Federer, those four guys are the guys you want to see vying for a medal. And, you know, we talked about the, you know, the new mental state of Tsitsi and um, Zverev. And I think that if they get further enough in the draw, you know, their national pride, their, you know, desire to get an Olympic medal is going to kind of hopefully push them to another level of tennis. And I mean, keep in mind, CC took Djokovic two sets to love in the French open on clay. Mm-hmm. So it's very possible that, you know, any one of those three 
could take out Djokovic in this best of three format. So question for you, because I know the Olympics five years ago in in Rio, Mm -hmm. the finals was best three of five. So Mm. is that, do we know if that's the case for the men uh, in this event or has they just scrapped that and gone to best two of three? That's a good question. I actually don't know. I mean, I always assumed that it was just going to be best of three. Yeah. But um, if it's going to, if they're reserving a best of five format for the final, then whoever Djokovic is going to play, best make sure that they have their Gatorade. (laughs) Yeah. And their Powerade because it's going to be hot as hell and they're going to be on the court for a long ass time. Get them electrolytes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. So we. We like a top four. I mean, I would love to see Medvedev City a semifinal. That would be amazing. Yeah, that would be great. And then Joko Zverev would be competitive, and Zverev has chances, I think, in that match. Probably the only player. Uh, yeah. Unless, uh, uh, unless you know, those people on the K poll would disagree. I think that the world is thirsting for a Djokovic-Medvedev match. That's something that we have not been granted this year um so much talk has been made about medvedev and his ascent to the number two ranking and you know he has put his money where his mouth is so a medvedev djokovic final in blistering hot conditions is going to be fabulous if it does happen and if it's best of five then just give the just give the medal to djokovic (laughs) we just give the gold to djokovic just give the medal yeah we did get one um, Medvedev Joko match, and that was the Aussie Open final, and Medvedev poo pooed that. Oh, match. right, 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 right. Yeah. What we're all also very excited about is the doubles. <laughs> <laughs> you said that so convincingly. <laughs> it is, like I said, the only tournament where it's sort of equal footing, the prize is the same. Yeah, I mean, okay, are you more excited? See, the men's doubles to me, um, there aren't... What I what I love about the doubles at the Olympic Games are pairings by virtue of country, country yeah. that never would have really... Never normally would have kind of come into fruition in like a regular ATP or WTA year. Um, but when I took, took a look at the draw, I mean, you've got the number one seeds, Metkic, Pavic, who won Wimbledon, the Wimbledon, Wimbledon dubs. Um, Cabal and Farah, who, number three, who already are slam winners. Um, I really like Andy Murray. And is it Saville that he's playing with? I mean, he's the guy. Uh, that's, the, that's the pairing that makes me believe that Murray could get one more medal out of his career. But I think that Zverev and Struff is kind of cute. That's a yeah. cute little matchup. His name pair. is Salisbury. Salisbury? Oh, Salisbury. Salisbury. Yeah. yeah. Like, this, like the steak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's quite nice that he, you know, withdrew from an opportunity to win a third singles medal in a row. And maybe he felt like his chances were slim to zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, to play doubles uh, with with uh, a partner that he's maybe never paired up with before, but uh, to sort of keep his doubles dream alive, which I thought was cool. And now he's winning. And now he's winning. And I think, you know, I mean, Andy hasn't been uh, quiet about 
just the stage of career he's at and opportunities to win anything I think are coming fewer and far between so if he can come away with some kind of medal I think that's going to be just icing on the cake for an amazing career so what are your um, thoughts on I didn't know um, Dodig still played but he's playing doubles with Chilich what are my thoughts what yeah I mean what are your thoughts on um, the men are in the quarterfinal stages Mm mm-hmm um, I mean, I don't really have very many thoughts <laughs> other, other than like, you know, to make it kind of cute and, and amazing, I would like Zverev and Streff to come away with something, to come away with a medal. Yeah. TBH. Yeah. Like, I mean, Mo- I think they, they have, you know, they're probably going to beat Sangrin and, and whoever he's pairing up against. <laughs> I know. Who is this guy? Yeah, I, I saw him. I don't I, know who that is. I mean, like, this guy, I've never heard of him on the tour. I don't even know his name, clearly. But I was just like, who did they just fucking choose someone off the street? <laughs> Krychek. Krychek? Yeah. Any relation to Richard? I don't know. Interesting. Someone, someone let us know. <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looks like, you know, um, Andy is in the uh, bottom half and Zverev and Struf are in the top half. And Kay is still in the in the top half as well with his partner. Yeah, I mean, listen, Andy and his partner took out Ma- Maou and Herbert, who are insane, insanely amazing doubles um, special. Well, I, I don't want to say specialists because they're great at singles as well, but they've each won Grand Slams as well. So that's a huge upset. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think Andy and um, Salisbury, just remember, because it's a stake. They, yeah, they got a good shot at getting something here. And uh, But the number one seed are probably the, the team to beat. Yeah, they're the The, Cro- the Croatian hotties, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is as much doubles we've, as we've t- talked about ever on the show. I know, I know. <laughs> what do you want to say about the women's side? Obviously, Krajikova and um, her partner, what's her name, Sinyakova? Mm-hmm. I think that they're the best team. Um, I mean, we talked about Krajikova and her deafness um, on, on all parts of the court. Sinyakova is also an insanely amazing doubles player. Um, the only other teams I would say to watch out for here are the Australians. Because Barty, before she got her um, singles game together, played amazing doubles with Casey Delacqua, uh, obviously another Australian. And uh, her partnering with uh, Storm Sanders is a really great partnership. She's still in the doubles. And Perez and, you know, Sam Stozer, sentimental favorite. We love a Sam Stozer moment, um, has just fucking, you know, done the shitter uh, in singles for the past <laughs> few years, you know, but, you know, former U.S. Open champion. But Sozer knows how to play some good fucking doubles. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping, oh, my God, what a dream would that be if she ended up kind of capping her career with an Olympic medal at these games? That would be phenomenal. Yeah, that would be very cool. And Vesnina and Kurtimatova, they have partnered before and won titles before, correct? 
Yes, Vezhnina is the former gold medalist from 2016. She played with Makarova. That's a doubles partnership that has had so much success, so she knows how to win a medal. Um, Kudermatova, again, won Charleston this year. She's amazing. So they're another team to watch out for. And uh, probably another team to watch out for is Bethy because she tends to win lots of doubles titles no matter who she pairs up with, and she's pairing up with Pegala. Yeah, Bethy, I believe, won mixed with Jack Sock in 2016. She beat um, Rajiv Ram and Venus Williams in the final, in an All-American final. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, like, okay, fine. You're right. I'm wrong. She's someone (laughs) definitely to look out for. Um, And, you know, she's a, a person whose Insta stories that we love watching because she just seems to take things so care carefreely. And, um, yeah, she's enjoying the Olympic experience. So good on her. She enjoys everything, and she would really enjoy coming on our show. (laughs) Yes, Bethy, come on. So that's the Olympics. They're going to continue. We're all very excited. Hopefully the heat will subside for some of these whiners. (laughs) Uh, But the Olympic spirit is in all of us as we try to you know, scratch and claw to find the matches on TV. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Why did, why do they not make it more accessible? Yeah. Like, come on guys. So we wanted to close by chatting about some new title holders, some first time title holders. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing because I feel like these title holders, although it's like such an amazing achievement to win a title in your career, it's like such an afterthought. (laughs) Like, it's an afterthought in the week of the Olympics, yeah, for sure. Uh, and I think some of these players just, well, yeah, I mean, I don't know why Cam Norrie's not at the Olympics, but obviously it worked out for him because he won his first title, and he was on the verge a couple times. He made a couple finals this year and has been playing really well, but he won on hardcore in Mexico. Okay, yeah, thank you for saying that. That is such an interesting question. Why would anyone... Why would an Olympic delegation choose Liam Brody over Cam Norrie to play in the singles competition? No yeah, offense th- to Liam. Like, think, that's just so weird to me. I think it was a Cam Norrie choice. He probably bailed. And, uh, you know, it's kind of working out for both of them, I guess. Well, Cam wanted that shmoney. He wanted, a f- you know, he wanted that $18,000 check for his tournament win. Because, what, you get diddly squat, right? Because the Olympics isn't, is supposed to be amateur. Yeah, I don't think you get any money for the for the Olympics. But, bitch, this is the, your only time in your entire career that you're going to represent your country and you decide to get that $18,000. <laughs> I, I call shade, but whatever. Anyway. <laughs> um, the other male player, one in Croatia, Carlos Alcaraz. I think we've talked about him a couple months ago when he had his first trouncing uh, against Nadal. Yes. And uh, now he's won in Croatia on clay. He seems to be a clay court specialist, something that Nick Curios is starting to take offense to, all these clay court events. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't Alcaraz beat Richard Gasquet in the final? Wait. He, wait, he like blitzed him. Wait. Like, I mean, how old is he, 18 years old? He's 18, yeah. He's like one of the younger first time winners uh in the last couple decades or something i saw some graphic and 
was too lazy to actually pull it up to <laughs> to quote it on the show. But yeah, he is uh, among the younger um, in the last two decades to win his first uh, title. Okay, well, congrats to him. We posted on our IG whether he was the future of of tennis, of uh, the future, the future king of clay, and all you Rafa fans came for us hard. So he's now won his first title at 18. So y'all can just relax a little bit. He might be the next, the next clay court king. <laughs> okay, we so shall just see. Chill out. Yeah, I mean, you can come for us, but first go to our Patreon page and become a patron. Uh, The other first-time winner was Danielle Collins, which is kind of cool because we love her intensity and her tenacity and just her anger and her fire. And she, like, was injured not two and a half, three months ago. Yeah, we... We've been trying to court Danielle Collins to come on our show for such a long time. We love her. All the things that Jason said. And it actually kind of surprised me that it was her first WTA title, considering how deep she's gone in so many draws and how many big seeds she's taken out. Um, But again, just goes to show you the depth of the women's field. And it's hard to put five to six matches, I guess, together to win a title. And here she's done it in the absence of all the big women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, you know, we'll see what she can uh, pull together in the hard courts, and then uh, our boy Casper keeps winning. <laughs> he's okay. He won. He's won two titles back to back, right? Yeah, he won uh, last week, and he won this week. I forget where he was playing, but there, it, I think it was Switzerland. He miles <laughs> from missing the point. Made me laugh because in our just kind of IG exchange, he was like, that bitch is no one. He's basically playing in draws where they're getting like school kids. To, to, they're like, uh, uh, do you want to play in this draw, you grade three person? And he's just like, okay, just give me that $25,000 check. Like, no one can be Casper Rude when everyone is in Tokyo. <laughs> well, uh, Dennis was there, and Dennis lost in the first round. So, uh, okay, yeah. fine. And um, he lost to cutie Hugo Gaston. Or sorry, Hugo Gaston was was the final loser. That was his first final, so he would have been another new uh, tournament winner had he not lost to Casper. You know what? I'm sorry to end this episode on this note, but I just think that it's so. Uh, I just think it's disingenuine for for someone like Dennis to post something like, you know, after much thought, I've decided that because of the current pandemic situations, me going to Tokyo to represent my country is a bad idea, yada, yada, yada. And then you're playing freaking Switzerland. Like, sure, maybe the, you know, the pandemic situation is different, but like, just be honest. You don't want to go to the Olympics because you want to earn a check. Come on, girl. He wanted to be on a boat with his girlfriend. There was some IG stories of... Him having a relaxing break, but then losing in the first round in, in Switzerland. So, I just, you know what? This is just my opinion, but like the Olympics is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I just don't know that you could, if you're given the opportunity to represent your country, why would you not take it? You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I just think that it's a missed opportunity there. Well, maybe he didn't want to happen to him what happened to Felix. Losing yeah, you're the first right. round. 
<laughs> to someone named Purcell. Yeah. Purcell. But he lost in the first round in Switzerland. So what the F? All right. Well, you know, maybe, maybe he was cheering his teammates on from some, you know, weird, like, download channel situation because you can't watch olympic tennis anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well let's go try and watch it we have a few more rounds to go and we'll all be basking in the glory of the winning players grabbing their medal off the platter because you can't put it around <laughs> their neck and they are not allowed to bite their medal because of covid <laughs> they are discouraged wow thank you for educating me that you're gonna it's basically like a buffet it's like a self-serve yeah it's all thanks to CBC. It's CBC News that keeps me informed on all of these useless facts. <laughs> well, thank you, CBC Journalism, Sports Journalism, for really giving us the 411. <laughs> Until next week. Bye. We're here for your tennis tainment or your tentertainment or whatever it is. But if you like what we're serving up, please give us a five-star review and like, share, and subscribe and like such as. Wait, one more thing. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ready Play Tennis Podcast.